Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming to you today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join me for the broadcast today. And what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and to share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. Today, we're going to be looking deeper into James chapter number two. Now, last broadcast, we began in this great chapter, and we read down through verse number five or four. Today, we'll pick up in verse number five, and uh, we uh, talked about this need that had to be addressed in these early churches that were filled with those who were Jewish converts and were still meeting in synagogues largely. They still had that little bit of a tendency to esteem position or title uh, over a character or integrity or testimony. Uh, you think about the priesthood system and how the scribes and priests would be above the people. The Pharisees did that. And so James is dealing with this not having respect of persons. He says, don't, don't do that. He said, you're saved. Think about your Savior. He didn't do that. I'm glad Jesus went to a woman of Samaria. I'm glad Jesus spent time with a maniac in Gadara. I'm glad that Jesus uh, took time with a leper named Simon. Uh, and so on it goes. I'm glad that Jesus took time uh, for a, a lame man to pull Bethesda. We can go on, Zacchaeus, up a tree. I mean, Jesus took time for people, and red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight, and that's the way we're supposed to live our life as a Christian. When one comes in, James gave the illustration with uh, nice clothing, designer tags all over it, and obviously he looks affluent. And then another man walks in wearing tattered rags, and you tell that rich man, you sit up here, and that, that supposedly poor man, to have the least desirable seat in your church. He said, you're not right with God. He said, you're judging with evil intentions. He said, you're not looking at this thing the way you're supposed to be looking at this thing. So James just lays his finger right on the issue. And I, I preached on that a minute ago, uh, or a minute or so in that last broadcast, that you ought not be that way, and your church better not be that way either. Our church ought to have an open-door policy for people from all walks of life, all income brackets, all skin colors, and et cetera, et cetera. Now, we don't welcome sin. Hello. Now, we'll let sinners come and preach the devil out of them, but I'm talking about somebody walks in your church, and it's obviously they don't have any money to pad your offering plate. You ought to love on them just as much as that millionaire who comes in and uh, flaunts their affluence, and that's what the Bible's teaching here. We're going to pick up our reading in verse number five, where James writes under inspiration of the Holy Ghost, hearken, my beloved brethren, Hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised. You talk about a Bible preacher backbone. He just comes right out and says, but ye have despised the poor. He doesn't say, don't do this. He doesn't say, now you might have a tendency. He said, you're doing it right now. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love, here it is, thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. 
See what James is saying here? I like James. James isn't putting on padded gloves. James isn't soothing it with salve and then coming in with a little sermonette. James just comes in like a lightning bolt flashing on a darkened sky and says, I tell you this much, you guys are guilty of this already. He said, you're sinners. You're not right with God. He said, you're judging people by what you can see. You're looking for rich people. You're not caring for the poor people. You're esteeming one above the other, and that's not Jesus. That's not God. That's not grace. That's not Christ-like whatsoever. And he said, I tell you this much, you've despised the poor. He said, rich men, rich men oppress you. Rich men work against you. Aren't they the ones who pull you before the judgment seat and yet you're still trying to cater to them? Hey, can I say, whoa, be under that church or that preacher that would compromise and kowtow to that crowd that hates God hates old-time religion, doesn't want anything to do with morality, standards, or righteousness so that they might have an easier time in their community and forsakes reaching the bus kids and forsakes reaching the homeless and forsakes going to the prison and forsakes reaching those that nobody else wants so that they can be wined and dined and wined and dined with politicians and people with some kind of title tag to their name. That's not why we're here. We're here to reach those that Jesus reached. You see, where Jesus go? He went to those nobody else loved. He went to those that nobody else cared about. He didn't go after folks who could give him something. He went to go give folks something. He didn't say, hey, what can they add unto me? He said, what can I add unto them? He didn't look to get poured into. He wanted to pour his life out into other people. That's the purpose of a church. The church is here. This isn't a moose lodge. It's not a Masonic lodge. This isn't a good old boys club. It's not Augusta National Golf Course, my friend. It's not the country club. It's the house of the living God in a hospital for hurting people. And we're to go out and find broken lives, bring them here and point them to Jesus. He can put them back together. Let me read you a little bit. It says, but you have despised the poor. Verse number five says, hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? The fact of the matter is God has obviously chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith. He chooses those weak things to confound things that are strong, simple to confound the mighty. Abraham Lincoln said God must have loved the poor because he made so many of them. Think about that. Jesus taught that it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Rich people do get saved. Now, don't tell. I, I thank God for that. God has blessed people in our church uh, with the ability to make money, and they take their money and invest it back into the work of God. And without them, uh, this church might not even be here. I mean, God's used people like that. Very expensive area, and God's raised up affluent people to help us. So we're not preaching against having money. But we are preaching against you having respect to people who have money over those who don't. The vast preponderance of God's people are those of modest means. Most churches are made up of just normal people, average people, maybe even poor people that pull together. And that's not by accident. Those in low estate learn to trust God and are almost forced to live by faith in a larger degree than those who are rich. And the heirs to the kingdom, he says. I mean, they're going to have a, a, a large portion of the inhabitants of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, are going to be those who the world would have despised and looked at as being below uh, their level or standard. That's who God's using. That's who, uh, large, in large, by and large, gets saved. You know how it is. You go out and knock doors, and you go to the big houses behind the iron gates. You get in there, and I tell you, those people, most of them don't want to talk to you. Now, I'm glad some of them do, but most don't. But you go to that down-and-out section of town, knock on doors, and it's amazing how many people are ready to talk to you, and they need help, and they need hope, and they're ready to hear about heaven and Jesus, and they get saved. So James confronts the, the reader of this letter with uh, being spiritually bigoted, basically. 
And uh, he said they despise the poor. That means they, they treat them with contempt. It's an evil thing, verse number four talks about. The wealthy were harsh in their treatment of those with lesser means. They weren't shy about suing for money to get more more money. They blasphemed the name of Jesus Christ. Think about it. James leaves the implication here. He said, why are you running after that crowd that doesn't bring glory to his name, but brings shame to his name, that mocks his name? There's a crowd out there that wants the gospel, and yet you're running after that crowd that absolutely hates God. He's talking about that royal law of Scripture. Uh, he's talking about uh, Jesus when he said uh, uh, he said that on the law of love hangs all the law of the prophets in Matthew 22 and verse number 40. The commandment, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, is one of the greatest commandments. And if the church today would fulfill that profound yet simple statement, can I say we would make a difference in this world if we would just love people. The application is hitting the nail on the head of discrimination or this discriminatory attitude. That's a big buzzword in our day. Everybody wants equality, blah, blah, blah. And most of that is platforming for politicians to cause division, I believe, so they can have control. But if there's one place that ought not be discriminatory, if there's one place that ought not have any kind of bias about it, it is the house of God. The discrimination for rich over the poor, that is an ungodly thing. The Bible said it's wicked. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin. And are convinced of the law as transgressors. So to have a discriminatory attitude is sin. And uh, you're convicted by the law to be a sinner. That means you're guilty. Uh, in the Old Testament, you're guilty. In the New Testament, you're guilty. From Leviticus 19 to Galatians 5.14, you can look at it new or old. You're going to be guilty if you look at people that way. And the Bible said in verse number 10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point. Think about that. He is guilty of all. Now, you have to fight this tendency, pastor. I know every pastor, you want to pastor lawyers and doctors and mayors and senators, and God might give you some of them, and we have some of that kind of crowd in our church, and they're nice, great people. But by and large, you're going to have people that are going to look, be looked down on by that crowd. They're not going to have a big portfolio or a CEO title attached to their name. They're just going to be people. But i tell you what those people are. They are souls that Jesus died for. And our churches ought to be places where it doesn't matter what they come in looking like. Doesn't matter what they can put in the uh, offering plate. Doesn't matter what their job title nor position is. We understand that's a soul Jesus died for. And we don't show any kind of discrimination in respect of persons. Until next time, pray for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper. Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.